Welcome. Before you hear me say Adi Toast, you will have a glorious time talking about the prophet because it is a glorious day. The prophet has spoken and we have a lot to talk about because he gives some awesome directions. Let's get to it. Welcome to Walk With Him. I'm Elder Blacker and here we're welcoming all who are looking to improve their lives by coming closer to their savior. My name is Mitchell Redmond and here we're going to be discussing a variety of topics and doctrine relating to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's a lot to learn from the savior, from his ministry and teachings, and our mission is to help you live the best life as portrayed by our savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And the best life isn't perfect, but our savior was so we'll learn from him and try our best. It's been a hot minute, as the kids say. And the young adults. And the Don't young adults. Don't forget them young adults. We are young adults. I didn't forget about the young adults. And I say or technically, minute. people would call us kids. Anyhow. <laughs> I am excited for this one because we get to talk about our prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, because... Nelly! <laughs> or Papi Nelson. <laughs> Our missions had different ways of calling him, and it's kind of funny. It was also in two different languages. Yeah. But for a little bit of context, President Nelson is, I mean, the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He is a living prophet of the Lord. Yes, just like the Bible. I, f- I don't know about you, but when I introduce him like that, like, just like the Bible, people don't believe me. Comparing him to prophets in that context, they're like, no. Because they don't believe in people that I've talked to. They don't believe that it was necessary for more prophets and apostles to be sent. Because they said that Jesus Christ left his spirit. And so it wasn't necessary for people to preach religion or like sermons, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you had that. Um, probably not, huh? Not really, because it wasn't ever, like, we never had to explain, oh, yeah, prophet. Yeah. They are. I keep forgetting you don't have to explain, like, the basic principles that we had to give context every single time we've talked. Which is kind of funny, because at least I think I'm pretty good at it. (laughs) What, giving context? No, explaining basic principles in a clear and concise way. I mean, yeah. Okay, he partially agrees. Well, that which well, is fine. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> that's not what. That's not how I meant it. I just meant that you didn't have to tell people these basic principles because they didn't know. Right. That is correct. So, yeah, I don't know where I was going that. But anyway, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite talks that he's given before, and then talk about the most recent talk that he gave, which is called "Think Celestial." which I thought was a really good talk, and it fits with a lot of the other messages he gave, as well as, like, literally every single topic in that mm-hmm. session. So, yeah, do you want to start with your... Do you have, like, a few or one that you picked before? So, um, I have one that I think is my favorite that he's given, um, and then another one that we can talk about if there's time. Okay. But... And quite frankly, maybe you talk about it anyway. Probably. But my favorite one was The Power of Spiritual Momentum. Ah. (laughs) Was that yours? It was one of them. I had a few, but I'm not going to go over all of them, just like the main points. But yeah, we can talk about that Um, if you want. The other one I was going to talk about was Overcome the World and Find Rest. That's a good one. I didn't choose that one, but I like that one. Okay, then we'll go with that one. (laughs) Okay. Um, Basically, President Nelson acknowledges like, hey, yeah. We're in the latter days. It can be rough, but guess what? Our Savior knew that it would be rough, and he has given us ways that we can prevail in this ever-wicked and deceitful world. What session was that? October 2022. Okay, that's what I figured. I would imagine the Sunday morning, because that's typically when he speaks, but I don't know. Yeah, it was the Sunday morning, because he didn't speak at all Saturday. Mm -hmm. But then he goes into three main points where he's like, First, what does it mean to overcome the world? Second, how do we do it? And third, how does overcoming the world bless our lives? And it's like, yeah, yeah, that sums it up pretty well. I feel like that's what we would want to know. But I love his explanation for what it means. Of overcoming the temptation to care more about the things of this world than the things of God. 
which he actually says something kind of similar in his most recent talk that we will get into. But it's really interesting to notice how much we care about things on the earth more, like how frequently we care about those things more than the things of God. It's fascinating actually to me. And like I was noticing this after he gave that talk of like, huh, okay, I have a choice to make. And for some reason I care more about this sports or this whatever it is, right? Then what is God given? Even though if you were to ask me, it's like, yeah, that what God has is more important than what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Sorry. I was trying to find my notebook for where I took the notes, but I can't find it. <laughs> I know I took a whole ton of notes. I always take a whole ton of notes during general conference as if they're not going to immediately have all the talks available within a week. But I really liked this talk because I think it's the most applicable and regardless of if you remember or not, it's really a question that I feel like everyone has asked themselves at one point where whether it be like kind of from, I don't know, world events with wars and natural disasters and all that. I mean, it's really easy. I mean, it started with the whole pandemic where everyone was affected one way or another, whether it be from like someone you know that died or just like the shock of not having any human interaction like one way or another, the whole world was affected. I think that really put it into perspective for a lot of people, me included, mm-hmm. yeah. of whether like whether or not maybe you believe in your faith, whether or not you are focusing on the things that are important in your life, or whether you're just distracted from the world. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the number of baptisms our church had, it actually went up quite a bit for COVID because exactly what you said. People started to evaluate their lives and they started to recognize the need for God. Yeah. And then the same thing happened for Mm 9-11 where there was just a spike in people who were like, oh, dang, like, I don't know. Well, because you see the same thing happening with the recent conflicts that happened all over the world where people are banding together over like basic human rights, even though they're not of the same faith, everyone's may not be Christian or everyone may not be Catholic or whatever. Everyone's still banding over the same common goal of improving conditions for people who don't have that good of a situation, frankly, because everything that's happened in just a few years has been devastating for thousands, even I want to say millions of people. quote that I really liked from this was where he says, you can overcome the spiritually and emotionally exhausting plagues of the world, including arrogance, pride, anger, immorality. (laughs) Immorality. I overcame immortality. (laughs) Immorality, hatred, greed, jealous, or fear. Despite the distractions and distortions that swirl around us, you can find true rest, meaning relief and peace, even amid your most vexing problems. Because, I mean, like you said, a lot of people at that time wanted to just hear some form of a message of hope, which is, even for the missionaries, it was hard, first of all. I mean, usually, Oh, yeah, 100%. Because usually you would go to the MTC in person. A lot of missionaries did the whole MTC on their computer, which... Not fun. Not fun. And especially if you're learning a foreign language, that's even longer. Like, wasn't yeah. it... Who I only it? did one week, you did two weeks, but we both were like, that doesn't sound good. Who was it that did like thing? nine weeks? Oh, of, Elder Patterson. Patty. Nine weeks of online MTC. That, I was done after two weeks and you were done after like slightly more than a week. Yeah, it was like eight or nine days. Yeah. And I noticed a lot, especially in my mission, where people at their lowest or something traumatic that's happened in their lives, they'd be a lot more susceptible to comforting messages, even though that they don't believe in maybe the specifics. It was really, really easy for us to kind of win them over to 
have them feeling better when than before, which is mostly our goal is just just to give them words of comfort and hope and less about trying to convert them, which is really what we're trying to do as missionaries is just serve more than anything. Serve our savior. I thought that was a kind of a funny way. They were more susceptible to hopeful messages. Anyway. Well, do you remember the, in Alma 20 or no, Alma 32, where we went over about faith, right? The whole chapter started off with these people were kicked out of their synagogues. Like they weren't right. allowed to worship. No, you're a hundred percent right. That's exactly what happens. Like it, it takes people going to their darkest moment. Like the reality is we're all very prideful. Yeah. And so it takes us being at a point where it's like, okay, I can't do anything mm-hmm. to reach out for help. Yeah. And ideally that wouldn't be the case far too often it is. But that, that's the reason why is because of my pride and like everybody else's pride. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I want to be stronger than I am. Yeah. But that, I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned this a hundred times, but that was drilled over and over and over again into my mind the message of no you can't do it by yourself stop trying it's not fun trying to figure it out by yourself which I learned over and over again even before my mission and during my mission and yeah. where I was like okay fine <laughs> I get after the hundredth time that I've tried to figure this problem out myself that I can't do it myself like the story with the fish hook where I'm like no I don't need that I can do it <laughs> my way my way is going to be revolutionary. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> Pretty soon the whole world will be fishing without that square thingy. Square thingy? Is that what it was? Like the green blob thingy. Green blob. Um, which actually is going to be in an episode that hasn't been released yet. That already came out. It did? I thought that was in the missionary one. It was in baptism, I think. Oh, okay. Never I don't mind. Know. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys have heard that. So his second point, though, of like, how do we overcome the world? The world, Basically, he tells us to live the higher law. Like, looking at Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount, it's really cool because it's like, hey, this is what you know. I'm going to blow your mind, <laughs> right? And I want you to do your best to follow this new higher law that I'm showing you, right? Yeah. And basically, overcoming the world is striving to live that higher law. Yeah. Right? And the quote I'd like to read is, President Nelson says, Now, you may be thinking this sounds more like hard spiritual work than rest, but here is the grand truth. While the world insists that power, possessions, popularity, and pleasures of the flesh bring happiness, they do not. They cannot. What they do produce is nothing but a hollow substitute for the blessed and happy state of those who keep the commandments of God. The truth is that it is much more exhausting to seek happiness where you can never find it. However, when you yoke yourself to Jesus Christ and do the spiritual work required to overcome the world, he and he alone does have the power to lift you above and pull of this world, above the pole of this world. Because that was a really, like that was the whole highlight that I liked it most of all that because it just sums it up so well it's like hey this will do nothing for you so why waste your time right like just i don't know because i i very i know personally i very often get caught up in the oh man this this is hard work more than like resting right right but he's right (laughs) surprise surprise like It's interesting. It's just interesting. I mean, later he says, I did not say that making covenants makes life easy. In fact, expect opposition. But yoking yourself with the Savior means you have access to his strength and redeeming power. So it's not like life is going to be handed to you on a silver platter. Uh, You think about like all the, the stories in the Book of Mormon and the Bible where it's like most of the times... God didn't hand them the solution, but rather he gave them the strength to solve it. Like he'll do anything short of like violating our own agency to help us progress towards Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I mean, I'm thinking about the 
in particular the story of Nephi, where his brothers tied him up. But instead of asking the bonds to like go away, he asked for the strength to break through the bonds, which mm-hmm. I found was an interesting little little detail on that. And what's interesting is that he actually was given his bonds being loosed. But oh, whether yeah. they were loosed or whether we're given the strength to overcome them, it's still us using Christ's power. Yeah. Like either way is using Christ's power to get there. And he and he alone is how we get there. But yeah, that that was my personal favorite talk that he's given. Well, I guess second favorite. <laughs> um, I was kind of debating between those two. The, um, that one in Spiritual Momentum? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we Which can go to the... Probably, maybe coincidentally, both of those came out while I was a missionary. So that, I wonder if that has something to do with it. But probably. regardless, like, it probably does. I think, yeah, like, as a missionary, I took way more... Like, I feel like General Conference was way more of a noticeable impact for me. Like, yeah. trying to immerse yourself in the gospel and then just trying to look for guidance, like really looking for guidance through the scriptures and prophets as yeah. opposed to like our not so good, our not so good study habits before. Because right. I don't know how yours were before, but Off mine and on. were. I kind of got better as I prepared to leave, but it was still kind of iffy. Mine but. were pretty streaky. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, like I could have a really good week. Oh, and then I the see. Next week, not do it at all. Okay, that makes a lot more sense than I have no idea what that meant. That's why I was confused. But no, yeah, we can go to the the spiritual momentum talk because that one I I liked. I gravitated towards this entire session, like all the messages that he gave in the April 2022 session. Because, I mean, personally where I'm at right now, all three of those very directly answered quite a few questions that were kind of preying on my mind. And maybe I'll get into that later, but... um, Did you have your call at this time? April? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you knew you were headed to Mexico in April? Yeah. Okay. The way he starts is really powerful because he goes on to talk about the the conflict that was happening at that time, which is in Eastern Europe, and then... And still is. And still is. That's weird, actually. I didn't realize that was that long ago. It really was. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is really the only conflict that I took note of. I mean, granted, 9-11 happened before our time. Before we were born. But, I don't know, this was really the only kind of big conflict that felt real to me, if that makes sense. Yes. But, so he goes on immediately starts off the talk with this quote. He says, My call today, dear brothers and sisters, is to end conflicts that are raging in your heart, your home, and your life. Bury any and all inclinations to hurt others, whether these inclinations be a temper, a sharp tongue, or resentment for someone who has hurt you. The Savior commanded us to turn the other cheek, to love our enemies, and to pray for those who despitefully use us. Again, going back to the Sermon on the Mount where he invites us to live the higher law. And, I mean, the truth is, the cause of this conflict was conflict, right? I think, I don't remember if it was a talk, but there's kind of like three main ways that we experience suffering, right? The suffering of our own transgressions, the suffering of, others that inflict upon us, others that hurt us, and then natural disasters and just the events of life that happen. But he's really talking about just to put off the natural man, right? And 
just turn more to Jesus Christ's example to be more of a peacemaker, which he gave another really good talk about being a peacemaker, which I also really liked. I was debating on whether I wanted to talk about that, but the other talk that happened as a missionary. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like that actually is really related more than I realized. Which one? Just about it being the correlation between it being our favorite and being missionaries as a at the time. Yeah, I think we established the fact that all our favorite talks happened as missionaries. Yeah. And the recent one for me, at least, because I'm not a missionary right now. With attack, at least. <laughs> but he goes on to talk about spiritual momentum, meaning to... I, I really love the way he put it, where he was talking about that basketball game. Which, the, I find it funny that even the prophet knows more about basketball than me, but... Anyway. I mean, he's had 99 years to learn. Yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> I'll have 99 years of not wanting to... I probably won't live that long, but the point is I probably will I wonder won't. how long he's followed sports. <sighs> Sorry, this is just interesting to me because I was noticing this the other day where it's like, huh, I remember like watching basketball in like the finals for the NBA like eight years ago. And I was like, huh, eight years ago, this hadn't happened, this hadn't happened, this hadn't happened. Like just kind of a moment of like, huh, history's being written at least in the basketball world. And it's like, I remember this being written. So sorry, that was just interesting (laughs) to me because it's like, huh, he could remember like the very beginning, like when the Celtics won eight straight titles. It's like, when was that? That was in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Maybe the 60s. Yeah, it's it's the 60s. Basketball people, back him up. I don't know what he, (laughs) I don't know anything. But yeah. So he was talking about the momentum that a certain team carried when they were kind of going back and forth with the score, and then one team started getting more and more momentum. But I like how he phrased it, a palpable surge of momentum. Is that what it says? I'm pretty sure, yeah, without having it right in front of my face. Oh, yeah? Because being somebody who loves sports, I've definitely seen that and experienced it a couple of times, but mostly like... Mostly what I do with sports is yeah, watch it. And it's interesting how even through the TV, you can feel the momentum mm-hmm. that's being gained. Yeah. And I think, like, actually, a really good example of that is when I served as a missionary in the Utah Eaton Mission. Because when I first got there, things felt off. Like slow? or Yeah. And then we had the thing where they said, hey, Try and teach 10 lessons a day, which basically is like, hey, everybody you talk to, try and get them closer to the Savior. Like, do your best to share something to get them closer to their Savior because they talk to you. Yeah. Right? And as we did that, like, that started our ascension, right? Yeah, the moment. And then, right. And then we, like, had some things change, some, like, policies or like hey we want to focus on this we want to like fine tune right yeah to where before i left it was like wow our mission had like you could feel the momentum that the mission had even though i was like part of it and then also watching from the sideline for six eight weeks something like that but yeah momentum's interesting because you can feel it and I like that the prophet mentioned that, that you feel the momentum. Yeah. kind of. You can even feel it with other people is kind of a, the long way I'm getting about this. Mm-hmm. Is that you can see somebody else and you can notice that they have spiritual momentum. Yeah. I mean, kind of, I mean, the first point that he gives to kind of foster that momentum is get on the covenant path and stay there. So teaching someone the gospel for the first time, getting them accustomed to maybe reading the scriptures, saying prayers, repenting, changing, whatever circumstance in their life, you can see that start up and then you can see that eventually follow through as they get comfortable with the habits and they learn for themselves how to grow their own testimony. It's really cool to watch that in them, to see their change 
And sometimes it's even like an instant change where you teach them. They're really into changing whatever, maybe not doing something or starting up something in their life. And then you just see them catch hold of that. And then you just see that momentum carry through. Well, I it looks like an instant change to us from the outside. But yeah, the part that we don't see is the spirit preparing them like over time yeah, to where we can give them that final push over the hill and they can start to slide. Yeah. Right. We, yeah, that's a good point. We as missionaries don't often see, I mean, we're not with them 24 seven. We're just there to kind of turn them towards the right path. And then at least our perception is they find something clicks and then they start racing down that path. Kind of reminds me the the verse in Hebrews I really like, Hebrews 12, 1, where it's, we shall run the race that, oh, what was it? Hebrews 12, 1. So, I guess, what is the context of this? Well, this is one of the epistles of Paul. Yeah. So, so he would be writing to the Hebrews. Yeah, this is one of the, oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot these are letters. These are actually pretty easy to understand the context of. Yeah, that's true. I <laughs> I just forgot brain fart. Yeah, it's all good. But so yeah, this is the epistle of that Pete. No, not Peter. Paul wrote to the Hebrews, uh, chapter twelve, verse one. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I really like those both the first verse and the second verse because it's like starting to and like we were talking about in the first talk starting to put aside the natural man catching hold of what we feel is right and then starting persevering to the end i think my point was the beginnings of the people that we're teaching or the people that go on the covenant path the beginnings of them starting in the gospel, faith, repentance, baptism, and then enduring to the end, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the, I wouldn't say the most important, but that's kind of the it's most the hardest one. last step. Yeah, it's the hardest one. That is true. If you just have to keep going over and over through those, you have to keep having faith, keep repenting. I think in the same talk, oh, covenants. actually, this is a perfect segue. In the next point... He says, discover the joy of daily repentance. Yes. So faith, repenting daily with the sacrament, you renew your baptismal covenants and just doing that over and over. I think I've mentioned this before, but I think I heard from a bishop in one of the wards I served in where he was, or no, I think it was actually President Monroe, our stake president, where he's like, one of the first questions I asked to someone, to a member that's struggling is, are you reading your scriptures? Are you saying your prayers? Are you coming to church? Because really that momentum that you've built up, like if you've been born in the church ever since you're a kid, right? The practice of saying your prayers, reading your scriptures. If you can keep that momentum for eight on years, like really more than eight years, but that's kind of, I feel where you start to build up that momentum. If you can keep that consistent, it's a lot harder to break a habit that you've been building up for years and years than just trying to start up from a life of essentially not really trying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had another part of this talk that you like because you also looked at this talk. Um, seek and expect miracles, the fourth thing. Yes. That is something that I didn't quite understand. And... I probably still don't really understand, but I had an experience in Utah, which actually also has to do with the 10 lessons a day. Um, Basically, our mission president for his own conference got everybody together and he's like, hey, guys, I feel like we really need to do this, right? So why aren't you guys doing that? Oh, doing the 10 lessons a day? Yeah. Okay. He's like, what's the excuse? Like, (laughs) dang Anyway, he, he grilled into us a little bit. Like the whole mission? Was this a zone conference? It was a zone conference, so the okay. whole zone. Um, but he grilled into the whole mission. Just I Obviously, it was only for the one zone. Yeah. 
Um, did you not have multiple zones in your zone conference? No. How many zones did you have total in your mission? Sorry, this is kind it, of a tangent. It but. varied. But the reason... Well, so we had one zone that got grilled because our zone conferences were comprised of, like, I don't know, we'll say a Syracuse proselyting zone and a Syracuse service mission zone. Obviously, oh. the service missionaries wouldn't be grilled about not <laughs> Why teaching 10 lessons a day. Why aren't you doing 10 lessons a day, you slackers? <laughs> right. That's not their job. Right. So, so I don't know. We I forgot your zone. mission started that like first. Anyway, continue. So, we were kind of grilled into that, and we were also given like the promise that if you treat everybody like it's your best friend that you really want like to get the gospel, right? You will get 10 lessons every single day. So hmm. me and my companion went home because we... Who were you with at the time? Elder Rain. So he was going to go home in like four weeks or something like that. But we had the night zone conference mm. and we had no lessons. Oof. So we finished at like 7. We get oh, home I remember at like you... 7.20 or something like that. And it's raining <laughs> and it's dark. Oh, so dang. there's not anybody outside, and yet we set off expecting to get 10 lessons a day and knowing that that's what we would get. Dang. And we did. And I have no idea how we taught You wrote that in your mission in or in your email, right? Yeah. You didn't. Maybe I don't remember, but I don't remember the part where you said it was raining. Yeah, it was raining. That is even Pretty more heavily, nuts. actually. Nobody was outside. I don't know how we got 10 lessons. We saw like some kids outside and we're like hey can we teach you guys a lesson and they're like yeah okay then we gotta go inside and get out of the rain that was nice <laughs> and then we found a couple of people at a church building but like i don't know like i just could feel that hey this is a good thing and so we're gonna get it done and we were expecting it to and we were doing the necessary stuff to have it happen right yeah and there were days later where i did not get 10 lessons a day Right. Yeah. As it happens. Yeah. And had I followed through and been like every single person is like my best friend, I probably would have gotten 10 lessons a day. I, but I really like that treating every person like your best friend because I guess a more relatable example for you and me is say you're in the dining room at in and out right? You're cleaning the tables, you're moving trays, mm-hmm. and you see someone that you know and you naturally go over there to talk to them. And you're like, how are you doing? Like, whatever. You catch up. And you're like, oh. Like, you kind of offer them more things because you're more familiar with them. You're like, do you want me to get yep. you a refill? Do you want me to take your tray? And so you imagine- also will go around obstacles to get to them. Yeah. So imagine you if definitely you... definitely would not do for somebody you don't know. Yeah. Imagine if you treated everyone in that store like it was your best friend. I mean, a whole lot more people would come. And, I mean, I'm not the best at that. I don't like going out of my way to talk to people I don't know. Same. And there were certainly a lot of other associates that were way better at that than me. I mean, one of them I can think of was Ashley. She's really good at doing that. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm -mm. She's, like, really good at just being super friendly with everybody. I feel like Lizzie would have been really good at that too. Oh yeah, she was too. The way I understood this, listening to it today, was it, this specific point reminded me of a talk from, oh frick. (laughs) Reminded me of a talk from Elder Bednar. I don't know if you've read it. I think I mentioned it to you. Called The Tender Mercies of the Lord. Yes, I know that talk. October 20... 15 or 14. I can't remember. It was a really good talk. The mission president recommended I read it because I was kind of having a tough time at that moment because we have an interview with our mission presidents every transfer. Same. I felt like we weren't, maybe I wasn't doing enough. Like most of the time when I felt like we were having a tough time, I felt like the burden was on me that I wasn't doing enough. And so he gave me this talk that really helped me in it was the same concept of to seek for and expect miracles. Like, 
the tender mercies in the description, in the definition that Elder Bednar gave was that he said that some people think of it as coincidences, but more often it's essentially signs from God. Like kind of, they could be like pick-me-ups or they could be just little moments where you know that you're still being guided and helped by God. So that's what I took from when I read this point. It's like seek and expect miracles, but also the guiding hand of the Lord. Like if you're really paying attention, you're really trying to see what, I guess, both what your purpose is. Like what I would do every single transfer is to figure out what God was trying to teach me. And so with that kind of question, I would be looking for maybe experiences or lessons or people that he wanted me to talk to or to learn. And so that's that's what I took out of this point. And I think seeking's important because you still had to do what's necessary to see the hand of the Lord in your life, right? Yeah. Like you couldn't have just sat around all day and then been like, he's not there. Yeah. I don't know where this quote is from, but we used to have a, a come follow me notebook and on the begin on the front of it was a quote that said revelation comes to those on the move i don't know where that quote is i would love to find it but i i mean i remember that quote and i've read it a hundred times i think i actually still have that binder somewhere in my closet Hmm. but it's that concept of and i think i wrote it in an email recently where it's like if you can say confidently that you've done everything you can then just leave it in God's hands and it'll be resolved. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our episode. If you like what you hear and you want to get weekly updates with exclusive content and an inside look on missionary work, join our email list on our website. You can go to lumietmedia.com. That's L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. Just scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a little form where you can put in your name, put in your email. It's free. We don't need anything else from you. We're going to be giving you concise and actionable advice, takeaways from our episodes and lessons and experiences directly from the mission field. And so if that sounds interesting to you, just go to Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. And we hope to help you a little bit more every week. Bye. Do you want to get into... uh his most recent talk or yeah we can do that so most recently um russell m nelson gave a talk called think celestial and we were actually there when they played that talk so that was which that was so cool yes unfortunately he wasn't there because he fell and anyway apparently like from what i heard it's like oh most people his age wouldn't have like survived that yeah no my my grandma Part of why we stayed in Utah for so long is because that she fell, my mom's mom. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and most people that age, it takes a really long time for them to recover. And you yeah. don't often come from that without having some sort of lasting effect. Mm-hmm. Which is all the more crazy where he's 99. Not that long ago, he was like skiing <laughs> with his children. Yeah. Which, I don't know, it's just insane. Yeah, that's still weird. Like, he's just skiing along at 98, 99. Oh, my gosh. It's like, oh. Uh, I love that for him. That's great. That's how I aspire to be when I'm old. Skiing? No, I would probably suck at skiing so hard. (laughs) Anyway, he gave this talk titled um, Think Celestial. And I don't know, if you were to sum up this talk in, like, a sentence or two, what would what would you say? Uh, it reminds me of the scripture where it says to be spiritually minded is life eternal. I think he even quotes it here. That wouldn't be surprising. For the natural man is an enemy to God. That whole scripture, I think, sums up this talk pretty well. I think basically he told us, hey, keep the end in mind. Like, Remember how important this time on the earth is and the choices you make. Like, remember the importance of this. Yeah. And if your goal is to have 
be celestial or like Christ, right? You need to be thinking that way. Yeah. There's a really good argument that, not really an argument, but kind of a, a counterpoint against maybe what the world thinks that he said, where he says the baseless notion that we should eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die and it shall be well within with us is one of the most absurd lies in the universe. I loved it when he said that. He just tore it up. He's like, yeah, no, yeah. that's absurd. That's redonkulous. He's like, if you think that you can do whatever you want and there's no consequences, you are mistaken. I don't remember who it was. I think it was in this session before it, I want to say. I don't know where it was, but the gist of it basically was like, compared to eternity, our time here is barely a nanosecond, but yeah. it's the most important nanosecond. Mm-hmm. And this short amount of time that we have determines our eternal destination. Yep. And so with that in mind, like you said, having the end in mind, then we can be a lot more careful about how we spend our time not being distracted by the news, apps that waste our time, even sometimes watching sports. I'm not speaking directly to you. (laughs) I'm the only one in the room. Okay, well, I realize this is all things that yeah, it, no, it's it's good. It actually, because um, that is what I do since being home and like refusing to accept that I'm home, right? Right. Basically, that's I, what I've done. To be clear, done. I didn't mean this as a jab towards you specifically. Ah, oh, freak. <laughs> well, um, one thing that I do, and I'm sure a lot of people do, is they go into general conference with a question, right? And the question I went to was answered in this talk of like, how do I make the most of the five months I have left as a missionary? And he answered that talk. He answered that question. Um, I'll find the quote for some reason. While you're looking for that, I just want to comment really quick that this talk had a message that was really close to what my mission president would say. He was talking about being all in as a missionary, right? Focusing on and getting lost in the work. And he's like, do you want to go back to living a celestial life or would you rather continue to live a celestial life? And so when this talk started, I immediately thought of when he said that. All right, I found it. This is what he said, which answered my question. He said, as you think celestial, you will find yourself avoiding anything that robs you of your agency, any addiction, be it gaming, gambling, debt, drugs, alcohol, anger, pornography, sex, or even food, offends God. Why? We're all at apps and sports. Because your obsession becomes your God. You look to it rather than to him for solace. If you struggle with an addiction, seek the spiritual and professional help you need. Please do not let an obsession rob you of your freedom to follow God's fabulous plan. And how that answered my question is because when he said that, I recognized what I had been doing, which was seeking solace in most commonly like a soda, because I love soda and specifically ah, Dr. Pepper. But anyhow, not sponsored. (laughs) Go ahead. And especially Dr. Pepper cream soda. Oh my gosh, mm, that's, that's so, so good. tasty. But I'm thirsty. Gosh dang it. <laughs> um, I would go get like a Dr. Pepper cream soda, or I would um like go out to eat. I would shove a screen in front of my face. I would like drown out any thoughts I have with sports. I would have an app playing, like basically constant noise just to avoid the reality that I have, right? Yeah. And to be fair, regardless of the situation, a lot of people already do to kind of drown out other things that they don't want to think about, right? Yes. But what I realized then is that I had taken God out of the equation. Because what's interesting is that as a missionary, basically all of your coping mechanisms get thrown out the window, right? They're like, (laughs) hey, 
focus on God and only God. Which, <laughs> if you need help, ask God, right? Which can be a, a really big shock for a lot of people. I know me included because like my coping mechanisms didn't involve scripture study. Or, right. And so it's just like, huh, your faith is really tested mm-hmm. when you're out there trying to lose your life to service and to be preaching to other people who frankly have at least who I've seen I'm sure you have too have had a lot tougher lives than us yeah like I would I mean mostly I would run into a lot of people who struggle with poverty and that was kind of so much me I was kind of common in Mexico City so um so as a missionary when you can't have any of that stuff even like your friends or family right other than at certain points where they designate you can do so right Mm. for whatever reason because of my fallen state doing that won't end up super well for me because of my chemical imbalance and all that the reality is i do need coping mechanisms like medication right but which, to be fair, like, I think of a story my mom's told me where, like, a priest was on the top of um, a house that was, like, burning, right? And the fire department shows up and they're like, here, come get down. And he's like, no, I'm a man of faith. I'll be saved, right? And then, like, the police come, the army comes, like, all of these people come, right, to get this person down. And the guy dies because he rejected all of them and said, no, I'm a man of faith. I'll be saved. And he's like, he gets to God and he's like, hey, why didn't you help me? And God's like, I did. I gave you the fire department. I gave you your neighbors. I gave you the police. I gave you all these people to help you. Right? And so I feel like that's kind of my situation where it's like I rely on God and I also rely on the stuff God has provided me that are of this world. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, I mean, an important thing to realize for that, there are times where it's true a scripture or like a prompting can help you, but it's entirely possible. And I mean, in your situation where you need extra help, it's important to turn to spiritual sources, right? But it's Mm -hmm. also important to address obvious problems like, that cannot be solved with just scripture study and prayer. And that's fine. That's not disregarding the spiritual aspect of things. No, it's still to put it, go back to the story. It's me getting down off the roof when the fire department comes and then thanking God, Hey, I appreciate you sending me some help. Yeah. Right. Well, basically what I realized I had done is I had overcorrected because since I've been home, I, went full on into the other side of that where I had my coping mechanisms. Yeah. Most commonly soda and a screen in my face. And so I realized I'd taken God out of the equation and that essentially sports and everything else I've talked about became my God where it's like, that's what I looked to for solace. And I think part of that is because I think I kind of gave up for a second of like, oh, this doesn't work. But going back to a quote in the Overcome the World and Find Rest, he said it's so much more exhausting to seek for happiness where you can never find it. And what's interesting is that since that talk, since I've made a much, I don't know where the line for me is, but I'm going back to like probably where I should be definitely more where I should be. Yeah. And it'll be fine-tuning it and finding exactly where, oh, this is what you've given me to help and this is how I can rely on you. But since I've done that, it's interesting how much of a difference it's made already. I can already see the difference of like, oh, it is way less exhausting to rely on the Lord than to try and find it where it can't be found. Yeah. And... Kind of an example for me was going to the temple, having 
worked there, you know, both of us working there, and kind of how it happened with you, the first few, even the first few months, I didn't turn towards those spiritual solutions, like you said, right? But then as soon as I had started attending the temple more regularly, I immediately saw just a whole bunch of a comfort and a lot more power coming from the temple to deal with these situations and these problems and these feelings that I've been having. And so ever since I started attending the temple with that spiritual momentum of every single week, I was given a lot more power and a lot more help to not sit in my room with a book or a podcast in my ear, which is usually what I do. Like some days it's interesting. I have, I started listening to a lot more spiritual podcasts and I guess making one, <laughs> but cause there was these other podcasts that I listened to that weren't just spiritual. They're more for entertainment purposes. Like I was bored yeah. or I didn't want to think about anything. And I just wanted to, here, just like these people talk about whatever. And it wasn't necessarily a help for me. It wasn't benefiting me for anything. It was just me choosing to ignore the problem to literally and figuratively shove my fingers in my ears and just wait until the problem goes away. But another, especially where I'm kind of at right now, I spoke to the stake president recently. <laughs> I was going to say mission yeah. president. And... I mean, I'm still trying to go back out, right? Mm-hmm. And, but then that whole con, that whole conversation, really, the whole point of it was, and I told you this earlier, but he asked me if you were to give me a percentage, how ready, or I guess not ready, because nobody's ever ready to go on a mission, but like, how confident are you that you'll be able to go back on your mission and be okay? Because, I mean, preparing and having it kind of get closer or at least I hope it's getting closer, but just like thinking about it, it it's weird. I'm getting more nervous because I know how it was when I went out. I know how difficult it was. And I also know that, and this is what he told me, that if I'm not trying to make a more intentional effort, like if they see that I'm struggling exactly how I was before, then I'll sent home a lot quicker right so in that aspect i have basically no leeway which also terrified me because i mean i felt like i had tried all i could and so now i feel like it's just a question of whether or not i'm willing enough to give it my all and to put all my faith and to work as hard as i can to help other people to be serving. Because I noticed that every time when I focus less on myself and how I felt about like maybe my Spanish or how well I memorized some sort of lesson, if I focused, if I went in there with the sole purpose of being like, I'm going to help this person, then I get a lot, I became a lot more confident and a lot less worried about what I'd say. And so... I'm just at kind of the point where I need to build my confidence back up and really put in a lot more faith than I had before, even when I first got here. Cause let me tell you, I did not like, I knew I wanted to go back out, but like I didn't think only now right. it's just hitting me, which is why he gave me a couple of weeks to think about it. Mm-hmm. Cause he kind of saw that I hadn't really, like, it, it was a pretty direct conversation that we had, which, I mean, I'm grateful for. But, like, he's like, this is kind of your call. Though. Oh, that's cool. Which... I didn't realize he was leaving it up to you. Yeah. And really you in the spirit. I mean, it's been my call from the start. I've just been kind of building back up my confidence from kind of the shock of coming home and then just kind of... I mean, it's, it, it was never me waiting for him to say that I'm ready to go back out. It was really me having to make a decision and to be intentional about, yes, I'm going to go back out and have a better experience and try more than I did previously. You know, 
The other thing that I've noticed really or a lot since putting God back in the equation, right? And not and relying on him for my solace instead of solely the things of the world, right? Is I've accepted my position a lot more. Like the fact that you're home? Or Yeah. What? And the fact that I'm doing a service mission. Oh, okay. Um, only recently have I been able to think about the future and like get excited. Before that, it was just like, man, I was just stuck in the past. And to a certain extent, I probably still am. But yeah. I mean, like, I, I remember when you would just, I guess something you would say a whole lot to me. You're like, I can't believe I'm home. I don't want to be home. And granted, I've heard that still a few times. But, I mean, only recently did you tell me about what you wanted to do for the future. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. And, like, I noticed this aspect of it when I had the thought, like, hey, because proselyting missionaries and service missionaries have different missionary tags. Yeah. It's the same thing except one of them says service missionary on it. Yeah. Right? And I... I've never worn the service missionary tags. I mean, you're not right now. I'm not right now. Did you even open it? Or is it still just unopened? It's in your unopened. Room? It's just in a drawer. I mean, I know where it is. But like, I've refused to wear it because that's accepting my position. And only a couple of days ago, I was like, I should wear my service missionary tag. Oh, really? And you told I me wrestled that. with that thought for a second. You told and me then that it, even sooner. It wasn't just a few days ago. It was like before we left. Because I was in your room and you were just kind of looking at it and you're like, I probably should wear this. Yeah, but I had never really considered it. Oh. I kind of, it was just kind of something where I was like, I know I should be wearing this, but there ain't no way I'm going to. (laughs) Okay. So only recently Um, did you like seriously consider it? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And I didn't. Because it still hurt too much. But I thought about it. And that was significant to me. And then I thought about it today. Oh, and really? I didn't end up wearing it. But because to me, putting on that service missionary tag is a big, I accept this. Yeah. And I'm going to get there. And if in the next month I haven't, I would be very surprised. But... One thing that I think I'll probably end up doing, and this is kind of a bit unrelated, but is because I still go out with the missionaries sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. I think if I were to go proselyting, I would just wear my proselyting tag. And I think that would help me wear my service tag because it's not like I'm putting down my proselyting tag forever. Yeah. So. No, I like that. That's a good idea. But to me, that actually makes a lot of sense that I would be accepting my position a lot more once I involve God because it's God's plan. The reality is it's, it's not my plan, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> none of us planned this. The, the reality is if it was up to me, I would still be in Utah. And granted seeing what I have now, I probably would come home for a few months and then have left back for Utah. But yeah, because I can actually see now how beneficial it's been for me. But his plan is greater than my plan. And so it yeah. makes sense that once I start involving him, he's able to start showing me, hey, yeah. look, I, I've i got you. You can you can be excited about this. You You're can, like, I know what I'm, he's like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> this isn't my first rodeo. <laughs> oh. It's not? I thought I was it, special and I, I was had, the only person that you ever cared about. <laughs> well, you are special. Okay, but not that special. <laughs> I don't know how to. F- Never how mind. You, just continue. How do you we're rate not gonna. That? Yeah, we're we're just gonna continue and. God is no respecter of persons. <laughs> no, but a thought that I had, kind of going along that same vein, where I just kind of. I think it was even right after that talk with President Monroe, and I was just kind of thinking like, why did I go when I wasn't a hundred percent ready? Like, go for the first time, right? Why couldn't I have just waited and prepared a little bit more? 
I don't know how I would have prepared right. not knowing. I like, I know at one point I was like three months out, so pretty new. And just like realizing I'm not very good at this. Like, I didn't feel ready to be a missionary, right? Yeah. And I was like, I feel like I could go home now. And having been out there, now been like, oh, here's how I prepare for a mission. And I could prepare myself a lot better than I would have right. been able to the first time. Right. I realized is a long way of getting around to saying, I think you would have had to go out the first time. Like, I don't, nobody's going to leave 100% ready. That's the reality. Right. I realized that I wasn't ever going to be 100% not knowing. But that was just kind of the thought that came to my mind. But then a moment later, I was like, well, had I not left, I wouldn't have been able to come back and have the experiences that I had now if I was truly ready, quote unquote ready, whatever that, whatever I felt like that looked like. Mm -hmm. But like, this was kind of the plan, I guess, which I don't like. It's not a very fun plan, but I mean, it was the best one. I still think it's really cool. We came home at the same time. Whenever I think about that of like, man, if you weren't here, (laughs) things would be a whole lot worse. (laughs) Yeah. And that, and I, probably would have also been distracted. If I wasn't here? Like, if you came here and I was still in the mission, first of all, I would be surprised that you went home. Okay, surprised, but not shocked. Well, I thought you were going to leave earlier based on, like, what happened before, right? Right. Like, I was shocked that you were even there for that long. Yeah. So I guess what I meant is that I guess I would have been more surprised of like the suddenness of it because from your emails you were like improving i was and then the reality like something i'm really grateful for my mission president being in tune with the spirit because when i was doing my worst if he'd sent me home this challenge of being home wouldn't have been one i could climb it took me improving And then what's interesting is it was like right at the second where I improved enough that unbeknownst to me, the Lord prepared me for about a week or two to go home. Yeah. And then I went home. (laughs) And then I got home and had just enough strength to get over the mountain. Yeah. Because I, and I told this to my mission president when like, it was pretty apparent, like, hey, 99% of people that are in the state you're in go home, right? That's what I told him is I can't go home. It would be far more disastrous for me to go home in my mental state right now than to stay out. So, yeah. I thought that when I knew there was a possibility of me going home, like, I thought that would have been even worse for me. Like, I didn't think I would have been able to really have the confidence enough to even think about returning, right? Mm-hmm. So. That's, um, that's what the prophet's talk did for me. And it's cool because you follow the prophet and guess what? Your life improves. Because he's acting for Jesus Christ. Yeah. A lot of people get caught up in kind of the policies and the what seems uncomfortable or difficult to them of what the prophet asks. Granted, I don't think, well, I'm kind of speaking for myself, but like, I don't think he's asked too much. I think now what he's asked is completely possible. I guess I'm just kind of comparing to like when the church first started, right? Where they were asked to like pull hand carts when they were asked to build temples, even with the meager resources that they had. I don't think it's entirely accurate to be comparing to that, but he's not going to ask us to do something that we can't. And I mean, as you mentioned, he prepared you 
with just enough strength to come back. I mean, a mission president is just, okay, not just as in tune with the spirit, but he's also following the spirit and he also knows the Lord's will. Mm -hmm. And the prophet is just like that much better at it. He's been prepared basically his whole life for that role. Yeah. And so... It says in Alma they were called and prepared from the beginning of the world. Yeah. Which I need to read like the the books of the teachings of the prophets because I've heard a lot of people say that you can really see how they were prepared by learning about their lives. Hmm. But yeah. I've never done that. That would probably be pretty cool. I haven't either. That's why I want to do that now. I want to start with Thomas Monson because he was a really, I enjoyed his talks. And he was an apostle forever. <laughs> Who? Thomas Monson? Or? Yeah. Well, so was President Nelson. Not quite as long though. Really? Believe it or not, yeah. Thomas Monson was an apostle for like over 50 years. Dang. Or a prophet. Like just, which I guess you're still an apostle as the prophet. Yeah. Anyway. So I guess I would invite you guys to just study the messages from the prophet both in the General Conference and also in the Book of Mormon in the Bible because you can really see how throughout every, throughout all the ages really, God has sent prophets to guide and direct his people. And consequently, you can see what happens when they don't follow the prophet, which (laughs) happened a whole ton in Alma because you can see all the wars that started, then ended, then started again. It's like just the whole cycle in Alma. They're just like all those wars that just started and then stopped. But yeah, we'll yep. we'll link to the most recent talk in the show notes. I have a study guide called Messages from President Nelson. If I can figure it out, I'll put that in the show notes because it's a really good study plan of studying everything he said since he's become the prophet. But yeah, thanks for listening. Then the next one will be going over just some of our favorite talks yeah. Um, from this most recent general conference. We won't be going over all of them because that's a lot. It's 10 yeah. hours of content. I mean, just this, just talking about President Nelson alone already, we could easily do a few more episodes on his talks. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we went over three talks, spent 50 minutes, an hour. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how long this episode is so far, but... Next time, we'll probably each go over our own two or three favorite talks and discuss that. So, thanks for walking with him. Hotty toast. Thank you for listening to us. This is Walk With Him, a podcast about Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to know more about Jesus Christ, we have a website, which is... Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T, media.com. On there, you'll find stuff about us, stuff about our Savior, Jesus Christ. You'll find our socials where you can follow us and support the podcast. You can also sign up for our email list where we give you just some advice, takeaways from our episodes and experiences that we've had from the mission field. You can join that email list on our website, follow our socials, and if you could rate us, that would really help other people discover the podcast and just start their own journey towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Adios.